what are you laughing at, Jim? We, we are now live, just so you know. What are you laughing at? Why have you gone giddy there? Because the fact that you were just going to start talking and then thought, oh, shit, let's just get it on the body first because it's going to be funny. <laughs> like, it's always the way we start chatting and then we press record. and then like, Record now, you know, mate. You better know, say hello. <laughs> hello, everybody. How are you? This is the Boot Room Podcast. Uh, Tag, I want to start, actually, with uh, you had a good day yesterday. Uh, big winner. Tell yeah. us all about it, mate. Must be uh, a proud man today. It's just this horse is, is unbelievable. I've got, you know, I've had numerous horses, but this lad, like, uh, only as early as January, he's come fucking third, beating a long, long way, by the way, in, like, a fucking egg and spoon race. And I actually <laughs> said to Laura Morgan, the trainer at the time I went, I said, just fucking get me out of him. Um, I said, get what you can for him. Get me 10 grand. Just get me out of this horse. And she went, nah. She said, you don't see what I see at home. So I was like, fuck me. You know, and I'm, I am an owner who kind of, like, Let's. I don't tell You're the, the Roman Abramovich here, of course. <laughs> no, <laughs> mate, I'm not. I'm the to, I'm the total opposite. I'm an owner. What like they they're the experts, you know. So I I love all racing. I know a lot about it, but these trainers are the experts. So whatever they say goes. Mm -hmm. So I just went, yeah, fine. So anyway, this lad's come out and he's run nine races. He's won seven. He should have won nine out of nine. He nearly fell at the last at once and then fucking flew home and got beaten nose. Um, and then he just, he vied across the track last time, but anyway, but he's won his last seven, but yesterday, it was, uh, that, that was a red-up race, it was a class two race, uh, you know, one of the favourite of the race, won a big race at Cheltenham last year, like, pissed up as well, and he'd been and off. Uh, the horse was drunk. Oh, listen. This lad's just fucking, I mean, we've got some, we got some nice problems where where do we go next from and you know what he's going to be going for the big big races now he's in with the big boys well we had a couple of well questions coming in yesterday one from uh, andrew nicholson who said he wants to know a little bit more around your interest in horse racing and, and how did you get involved in the ownership because it, i suppose it's not something that you kind of fall into have you always had a yeah. bit of an interest there I used to room with Keith Gillespie, so you can't fucking <laughs> you can't get used to horses. Uh, no, my uncles and all that are all massive into the horse racing. My uncles, uh, there's particularly two of them. They, they they fly all over the place. They go to Dubai. They go to Ireland in uh, Aidan O'Brien's yard. They have yard visits, and it's always been in a family. I've always took an interest in it. Um, and yeah, just when the chance come in to get involved, but yeah, it's it's a proper passion now. Like it's you know. My whole day surrounded by horse racing. I just love it. Jamie, you look like you're up to no good there. Nah, he, I was just going to say, he loves it that much. He's borrowed some of the horse's teeth while he's been out and about. <laughs> that's just that's just because I've had a pop of yours. I've come loving like your yellow bastard. <laughs> Jim, you went with the yellow microphone this week. Mate. Well, it's actually more of a lime green, but it does look yellow in this light. Yeah. Uh, how are you, mate? All good? Yeah, good, mate. Just fucking... Don't know, don't know what to do with myself this weekend. No kids footy. Okay, yeah, well, what, what do you do when you got a bit of time to yourself? Like, I know that's the that was one of the the, the next topics that I wanted to come to. Obviously, uh, terribly sad news. Uh, the Queen's passing. Um, I don't think you have to be whether you're a fan of the Royals or not to 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 share in you know the fact that it, it's sad news. I have to say, I've I, oh, I've got to watch my words carefully here, right? <laughs> <laughs> You, you can pay respects to a, a lady that has had an unbelievable tenure, uh, lived through some really difficult times. A lot of people respect her for, for how she's held that role. But at the same time, people 
should be able to mourn in their own ways. I have to say, Jim, I find it a little bit mad that it's like the country is kind of shut down. Football's been cancelled, but even more so, kids' football. Kids' football is being cancelled. I don't know. It, it seems a bit bit much for me. Country hasn't shut down, though, has it? Like, everything else carried on. But it was like the uh, ten. there's going to be 10 days of mourning, and then yeah. the, there was all sorts coming yeah, out. That just, that's just... I mean, that's just pageantry, isn't it? Look, I'm with you. Don't get me wrong. I'm no royalist in any way, shape or form. But, you know, the lady obviously had a great run and she, she's done a lot for the country. So fair play. And I can understand why competitive football was was um, was called off. I get that. But anything below under 16s, I, I just don't get that. I don't understand what the... Um, you know, what the thinking is around that, because most of it's non-competitive anyway. Most people trained or maybe had a friendly with whoever were probably going to play anyway. So I, that's what I don't, that's what I don't understand is the, the the lower end, especially when cricket's still going on. You know, our local cricket team played on Saturday. Rugby was still going on. And it was literally seems like it was just now, I know there's been reports that football, competitive football was cancelled because people wouldn't, adhere to the minute silence. Look, I get that. That's absolutely fine. Football, mo you know, majority of football fans are mongs. So uh, I, I totally understand <laughs> that. But when it comes to, when it comes to kids football, it, it's completely blown my mind. Where are you with this tank? Because there is a, there's a slight voice in the back of my mind that thinks with football, you have the likes of Liverpool, you have the likes of teams like Celtic who would hold very deep, political views. Liverpool is a socialist city. I am a little bit nervous about tonight, to be honest, the Liverpool-Ajax uh, game in the stadium. How is that sort of minute silence or whatever they choose to do going to be observed? You will always get people, I think, given how strongly they feel about what the monarchy represents and, and, and the likes. It's going to put the spotlight on Liverpool and I'm just worried that people will... will probably make some noises that they shouldn't and, and the media will lap it up and, and be able to throw stones. Where where do you sit with it with it all? Because you you were only telling us that you're a massive fan of, of Queen Elizabeth. I do. I like I like the rush. You know, I, I, I like the fact that I like her. Mm. Don't get me wrong, I don't like the son who's a nonce. I don't like him. But <laughs> Allegedly fuck I like <laughs> okay. which one? <laughs> no, I I I always like the Queen and like I've took our kids to London since they were this high and, you know, to the palace. And I, I kind of get wrapped in it as well. Mm -hmm. And Windsor Cast, we've been there. And I, I love all of that. I do like it. Um, no matter what your views are, this is just my opinion. What your views are, if you if you boo, she saved the country for 70 years. That's a fact. She's been unbelievable. And she's, I, she, she's done the country proud, in my opinion. If you boo a minute silence for it, no matter what your political opinions, I think you're a bit of a twat. Yeah. Just show respect to the woman. You know, she she reigned for 70 years. She's been fucking unbelievable. She saved the country. And just show a minute respect and put your political bollocks to one side and give the lady the respect what she deserves. So that's that's my opinion on that one. On the fact that the games got cancelled at the weekend, and this might be me being a little bit political, it's kind of like all of the working-class sports got squashed and went, yeah, you fuck off. But all yeah. of our Tory sports, if you like, your cricket, your rugby, yeah, they're cool, they're good to go. Me, personally, this this weekend, I it cost me 800 quid. I shelled out because I've got a lucky car. I was going down to Millwall to watch Jack play. So I hired a car for four days. 
and I paid £200 for the hotel to stay down in London to watch him. So when it gets cancelled, I pick the car up on Thursday, it gets fucking cancelled. So I've got a hired car sat there for fuck all and a hotel which you couldn't get a refund back. So that cost me 800 quid. So what about the working class people who prepared away games and bought tickets and bought, you know, train tickets and transport or done what I done and maybe hired vehicles? There's just no thought process. And I don't understand what it done. I don't understand what we got out of it. Peter Crouch's tweet for me was brilliant. It was brilliant, yeah. It was really good. Why not just go there? If you're worried about the minutes, just do a minute's applause. And if you you don't want to clap, fuck it. Just don't. But just do that and... I don't even get me started on kids' football. It's just these kids have suffered enough in the in the past two or three years with the pandemic, and yeah, we're taking another weekend off the kids. It's not right. Yeah, and especially when it's it's, it's at this time, it's when kids can actually play games as well. Yeah. You know, the weather's mm-hmm. not too bad at the moment. And, and and the other thing, like you said, you touched on it there, Tank. I suppose the the impact on on the regular Joes. I mean, I have a, a, a good friend who was taking his son over. Uh, he's based in Ireland. He was taking his son over to the Liverpool Wolves game. It was his son's birthday present. It was his first game at Anfield. Yeah. He bought the tickets, got the hotels, all that. And then when they're on the boat over, uh, you know what I mean? The the news filters through that, that it got cancelled. There's so many fans. It's not just the local communities. And it, I, I say this from a Liverpool perspective, you know, think of the match day revenues for the local businesses that, 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 exactly. that it would generate. You know, you've got, you've often got people on zero hours contracts that get drafted in to, to, to help police or not police, but help um, support around these events. You know, there's so many people that are impacted. And then you've got the global perspective of fans traveling into these games. It just feels like they've not thought about this, you know, the wider impact at all, and it, and it seems like Tank that, that Liverpool Chelsea, uh, you know, isn't isn't going to go ahead. There's been it's more off. cancellations yet. Yeah. yeah, Liverpool Chelsea, obviously shortage of, of of police. I think is the official line in a I season. W- What's that, mate? They're saying Liverpool, uh, not Liverpool. They're saying London's full. No it's one full. can come As to in, London. It, it's yeah, full there's too many. Capacity. What to go yeah, in to like, see the coffin and stuff. No one can go. Like so. I get, I get the games being off in London this weekend. I can under, I can understand that. You know, I get that. You know, if you can't police the, uh, football, yeah, yeah, then, you know, you, you've got a huge issue. You know, football has to be policed. But, look, as I say, you know, last weekend, was a, I thought it was a piss take. And you've hit the nail on the idea, Jamie. Well, that's one young kid who you know is, is kind of birthday weekends being shit on. Yeah. You know, when, when really it didn't have to be. But this is the country what we live in over here, you know. Yeah. All they give a fuck about is themselves and they're here and now. They don't think what the filter down is going to be. There was no reason for games to be off the weekend. No reason at all. And I suppose when you look at this in a purely football context, let's be honest, this this season is an absolute shit show, the way it's been pieced together. So you're now going to have a, a World Cup. We've got, we've got an international break coming up. We've got a World Cup coming up. <laughs> You've got all these competitions for players that are already goosed having had a shortened pre-season. And now you're going to have to try and shoe on in a few extra fixtures at some yeah. point throughout the course of the season. Jim, is this just not a case of there being zero joined up thinking in any shape or form between those that are governing football at the moment? No, I don't think it is, to be fair. They're, they're just, they're not. When something like this happens, it's knee-jerk, not knee-jerk reaction, I guess. It's it's who does it benefit most. And, you know, like you say, football clubs aren't, they're not thought of as a, you know, as, a, as an institutional, you know, what happens, you know, them players aren't thought of in these instances of, 
you know, this happening. No one's going, oh, no, Trent's already goosed. He's got to play another two games somewhere <laughs> along the lines in this in this season. They're not thinking about that. They're thinking, oh, you know, Queen's died. We need to show our respect. Prince William's the president of the FA. We don't want anyone to play and whatnot. But I bet he would want them to play. I'm fairly sure, certainly, he would want them to play. So, it's... Look, I'm not in that position because... because um, you know, it's it's a fairly high position to be in to be able to go out. We're calling all games off. Surely you got to someone goes, hang on a sec. Like let's just let's just think this one through, uh, and what are the impacts across the whole nation? So yeah, it's 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 a it's a really it's a really poorly thought out decision. Talking of poorly thought out decisions, it's a nice little segue to uh, to my next topic. Since we last caught up, our mate Tommy Tuchel, Tommy Tuchel has been sacked by Chelsea. I was surprised, I'll be honest, when I saw the news. Uh, look, he seems a bit of a, I actually respect him as a manager. I think he's a great coach. Uh, I think he seems a little bit negative. And in the last couple of months, you can see visibly that he seemed like he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. There's rumours of discontent in the dressing room. Certainly wouldn't be the first time Chelsea players have potentially thrown a manager under the bus. Tank, were you surprised when you saw the news come through that Tuchel had been sacked, or is this just another case of Chelsea being ruthless? Well, if it was under the Abramovich era, you'd say it's just that that's that standard Chelsea being ruthless. But we're told that it's a brand new era, and you know they're going to do things different. And it's just it's like it's fucking worse than Abramovich, really, isn't it? I mean, how can you give a manager all of these signings, spend that amount of money, and then all of a sudden just sack him? You know, which then brings into the question with all of these signings, his, you know, because it did seem this owner was just going on a scattergun approach and everyone was joining from him. You know, they spent a lot of money, but it's a very strange decision for me after, you know, I think I put in our WhatsApp group that everyone's saying how bad the start of the season and they're fucking above Liverpool, the fifth or sixth in the league. It's a bit of a strange one. It just seems, as an outsider looking in, Jim, well, actually, Chelsea's one of the seven clubs that you support, isn't it, Jim? <laughs> Possibly, mate. You never know. I mean, uh, watch your space. I've seen pictures of you in Chelsea shirts anyway at some point. Yeah, that was. Um, there's stories behind that. You've done me dirty there, so I'll tell that story another time. But... Another time, okay. But, uh, yeah, when, when you're looking at it, outside of looking in, I mean, you'd be the, um, you'd have your, your ear close to the ground with all things Chelsea, obviously. Yeah, but um, outside of looking in, it does seem a little bit scattergun there, you know, for as Tank says, from the signings that have been made. I mean, poor Abamyang, he's come in to link up with his old manager who he loves, and then all yeah. of a sudden they've booted him out the week before, like really looking forward to working with him again. <laughs> <laughs> God. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't think I wasn't that surprised, if I'm being honest. I thought he um he didn't cut a figure that was enthused about working at that moment in time. And I think the story's coming out. It isn't been down to results. So I think there's a really strained relationship between him and Todd. Um, WhatsApp groups, I think, was one of you, you and Todd. The, the and WhatsApp Todd, groups, yeah, I think. Like, you know, we're dead sound, me and Todd, like this. That's me on top, by the way. Um, yeah, you, but Todd uh, Todd basically wanted uh, WhatsApp. He, so basically set up WhatsApp groups. He wanted more direct lines of communication with the manager. I don't think Tuchel was meant to be too keen on that idea. Yeah. And it sounds like things got, got frayed a little bit. Yeah, and if you think about it, 
the results did wane towards the end of last season. Um, and, you know, they didn't finish strongly. They've not started strongly. And then from a signings point of view, I think, although it does seem scattergun, I think they've had a lot of upheaval this season from a fairly um, stable team. Um, in that they've lost defenders, they've lost, um, you know, some, some key players there. So I think it's just sort of the perfect storms come together to get rid of him. And look, I'm really pleased for Graham Potter. I hope he really does. Uh, one, I'm, I, I'm, I hope he does well at Chelsea. Uh, two, I'm glad Liverpool haven't got him. <laughs> but they, that's still time. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I must admit, I wasn't surprised. Although then I did see a, a graphic where it showed Tuchel's trophies won days managed at Chelsea compared to Jurgen Klopp's. Um, and you know, he's on a par, he's on a par with Jurgen. Um, well, I think the only trophy he hasn't won that Jurgen's won was the Premier League, I think. Pretty um, big one, then, yeah. But in, in I think four years less, so you know, he, he, he had time, okay. So, but that, that surprised me. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't see that. I'm not, not putting that against Klopp in any way, shape, or form in, in putting him down. What I'm saying is... I didn't You're just trying to dig yourself out of a hole here, Jim. No, no, no. I didn't really... I'd, I'd happily slag Liverpool off. That's no, that's no issues. But I just didn't <laughs> want that to be... My point was, I didn't realise he'd won so much in such a short space of time. So, my initial reaction was, I wasn't surprised. And actually seeing that, then, yeah, I, I, it probably it's probably a fairly, fairly knee-jerk. Tank, where are you? Because I suppose with the Graham Potter thing, we'd, we'd spoke at length... We we wanted him to, to potentially replace Jurgen Klopp when when the time is that he moves on. I, we've spoke on this podcast many times that we're massive fans of his. I I was actually annoyed to see him go there. To yeah. be honest, in a, in a way because I, I I do rate him that highly. What did you make of the appointment? It's a great appointment, isn't it? But yeah. what I will say is that it's a great appointment. I but I'm not too sure he's going to last at Chelsea because. History tells you that Chelsea don't stick with managers, and I just think it'd be. He's Is it not, a risk for him? Is it a risk? I think for him? It, well, no. It's, it, I think it's a free hit for him. I think it's a free hit because he's done wonders at every club he's been to. He really has. And what he's done for Brighton is phenomenal. I mean, what you've got to take into consideration of Brighton is every season he sells the, the best players. You know, you go back to the Ben was a Ben White when he went up was that last season. So they, they lose two or three of their best players every season, but he maintains the level. And I just think he's a top, top draw coach. I think he'll do well at Chelsea, but I think as soon as he hits a rocky patch, and he will, like every manager, he won't he won't get the grace what he, he would somewhere else. Do you know what I mean? And I just think it's a free hit for him because if he if he goes in, he does quite well. He finished Champions League. He's not quite challenging. He'll get the sack and other other clubs will take him without a shadow of a doubt. Graham Potter as a manager, I we've, as you've just said, I rate him extremely highly and I would have loved to see him take over from Klopp when uh, the big German decides uh, to wrap it up. Yeah, it's funny because you sacked. Well, actually, that does bring <laughs> us to to the next topic, um, and I've I've had lots of comments on social media that I've managed to skip past talking about Liverpool conveniently when they've had oh, a couple uh, of time to lose. It's on a Monday night, oh, and then we just conveniently skip that. That is true, we'll though, Tank, isn't it? Every one. single time, yeah, Jimmy yeah. buggered off for a couple of weeks on holiday. <laughs> so no, it's my fault. Oh. Yeah, it's your fault. Yeah, never our fault. Liverpool's fault. No, never. Um, 
but yeah, we've I've had a couple of comments that we've obviously avoided some of uh, Liverpool's trickier results, and I'm going to make sure that we don't do that now uh, because Liverpool are in a bad place at the moment. Uh, it, there's no um, there's no two ways about it. They look a team that is devoid of confidence. They're missing some key players, but also some of their big players over recent years look a shadow of the former selves. And I suppose what what's more worrying is we actually seem to have lost our identity and, and hunger um, and the structure of the team just seems seems off. What Obviously, Jim, since we last caught up, they've had a, a, another shocking result, probably one of the worst I can remember in, in my time as a, as a fan in recent years, certainly in the Klopp era. I think there was one Spurs away, which was a, which was a really bad one. I think actually Napoli Stoke away. away. What about Stoke away? 6-0, was it? Well, that was that was Brendan Rodgers, wasn't it? Oh, was that okay? So that was his last game. Come on, fucking hell, Statman! Sort it out, will you? Statman, Jim's letters. Try, try be a try and be a clever dick. Well, to be fair, I'm not. I'm just pointing out pointing out the results. That was yeah. well, we can't point out your results because fucking <laughs> no one knows your support. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, you you do have to team. put your name. Like you're gonna have to like nominate a team here, Jim, at some point. Anyone you do know Liverpool. that. Whoever Liverpool, Liverpool are playing, <laughs> <laughs> but what have you? What have you made as a gym? Because obviously you, you're you're not certainly not emotionally invested no. like myself and Tank. Uh, it was a it was a horror show against Napoli, and and it certainly hasn't been the start of the season that they would have wanted. No, and and the question that I would be asking is where and why is it going wrong? So I know you've said a lot of the time that the players look goosed. I get that. But from what I've seen, no matter how goosed you are, you can you can attempt to run. You can you know you can run in some shape or form. From what I've seen, namely Trent, Virgil, they're just stopping and just stopping dead, not attempting to run, but physically can't. You know, I've seen people Flat come footed. off the end of marathons and are still going at a steady enough pace where you're going that it's a run. It's not, it's not a sprint, don't get me wrong, but it's a run after 26 miles. So when you're seeing people stopping, the question is, what, what where has their motivation gone? Do you think it's motivation-based? Do you think that I don't think it's down to tired? I, don't get me wrong, I think they're tired. I, everyone gets tired. But as I said, when you are tired, there's people that run marathons, 10 marathons in a row. And they still carry on doing them 10 marathons. Now, they're not doing it at a pace, granted, but they're running. So how tired you are, you can still move and run. Mm. But what I'm seeing is people stopping dead and going, nah. So that is a question that I would ask is, if they were moving, a give and go, for instance, Trent gets done on a give and go. If he's, if he's making some attempts, he can physically see that he's exhausted you go right he's so tired and he he, he worried but he doesn't he just stops and goes watches right oh they've mm. scored again that to me is the worry not of the physical exhaustions it's it's seemingly they're giving up where are you on that tank because i i know what jimmy I, so i was fuming after the united game because of the manner of the goals that we conceded i think i shared the video of i think it was virgil not wanting to go down, close the ball. And look, I hate talking like this about players that have been so brilliant, but at the same time, there is a worrying trend that is materialising. And I think the drop-off has been so stark. But let's be honest, I think somebody can correct me on this. Did Chelsea not play pretty much 
a, a shit ton of games as well last season. And I know obviously Tuchel has been sacked, but they're higher up in the league than Liverpool. Their players don't look noticeably goose. They're just patching together a new team. So I, there's something that says to me, yeah, players do look goose, but there is something in what Jimmy's saying there. You know is better than anyone, Tank. A fullback's job is, first and foremost, you know, particularly in wide areas, stop the cross. You can't, you can't get the cross in. Close your man. Give them no space. That, particularly down that right-hand side, Trent has not been at it, and it's been magnified to the nth degree. There's been, I think I feel like I've seen the same goal about four or five times where it's been not closing down the man, the little triangle, played, played, slipped in, round the back goal. What? What have you made of it all, mate? Because it just does seem a bit of a mess. It does. And Trent's form has got nothing to do with lack of trying. I've seen all of the stupid videos. I actually posted this on their social media because, you know, if anyone posted just the clips about your shit part of your game, every player, including Messi, Neymar, Mbappé, all of the best players in the world, they'd all look shit. So I can't stand all of this social media bollocks now. Trent, his confidence is shot to pieces. I've been there as a player. Um, there's no lack of trying from him. It's lack of focus and it's lack of concentration. And he's focusing on trying to do the right things that much that he's fucking, it's duplicating it's away from the, from the basics, what you should be doing. It's not a lack of running from Trent. It's not a lack of care. And it's not a lack of fucking anything like that. He's just in one of them moments where I've had them in my career where you can't do anything wrong. When you go to close and you just think, yeah, I've done it now, and then you just let the man run. It's not lazy thinking, I don't want to follow that man. I can't be asked. It's because you're so you're conscious of trying to be better and trying to do the right things that you forget the basics of your football of what you were doing. And it's a difficult because many managers say, go just go back to basics. Just go back to the basics of how he used to play. He's just devoid of all confidence, Trent. But I'll tell you something about Trent now. Take him out of that Liverpool side now and we're fucked. We create nothing. 90% of everything what we create still comes from him. Mm. Everything still comes from him. He's having an absolute nightmare. But he's not the only one. And the focus has drive me insane because it's all on Trent. It's all on Trent because we're so reliable. Andy Roberts has been worse than Trent this season. He's been miles away. He's offered absolutely nothing whatsoever to the Liverpool team. Nothing at all. But he gets away with it. I don't know whether it's because he's a local lad or that, you know, there hasn't been as many videos going around viral showing Trent getting done for one twos. But it's just I tell you that you've just hit the nail on the edge, you Jamie, about Chelsea. They played they played one game less than Liverpool last season. That was the yeah. Champions League game. Now, but what Chelsea done is went out and signed 10 plays. And I don't care. And I'll bang, I'll bang this drum till the day I fucking till FSG I the fuck off. We have not invested enough in this squad. Jurgen Klopp asked this squad to play in a particular way, but it's not just playing that particular way. They have to train in that particular way. So this is seven days a week, fucking intensity through the roof. You have to freshen things up. You have to bring new blood in. You have to bring younger legs in, and we haven't done it. We simply haven't done it. You wanted to come in, Jim. I was going to say that my question was next was who's culpable then if if Trent's your most um, is if Trent's your most creative player and it's not Trent's fault and he's absolutely you know he's in this. I didn't worst say it's not Trent's his... fault. No, he's, okay, okay. Trent's not worst... deliberately playing bad, Jimmy. No, all he's right, not going no, out saying sorry. I'm going to play bad today. No, I know what you're saying is he's in a bad, he's in a rut, isn't he? He's in, he's in a yeah. rut and he can't get himself out. But you've got no right back to come in. So who's culpable for this? Because if, if you've got no right back to come in, he's your most creative. You're relying on a play. Someone's got to be culpable. Is that not a clock? 
I, I think just to come in here, because I think there's a couple of different things at play. Liverpool look fundamentally broken at the moment. And I think there's there's a couple of reasons why. I think the structure of the team is 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 completely different. So I might get pelters for this, right? I think Harvey Elliott is an unbelievably talented midfielder, certainly offensively. But Liverpool, the reason why Liverpool have been so successful over the years is that they've had, and I don't want to use the word workmanlike because it's a total disservice. It's true, it's true. But you've had Henderson, Fabinho and Wijnaldum for the best part of Liverpool's success. And they were absolute machines. They'd run all day. They'd cover the spaces that allowed the, the offensive players to go and, and create and play with that freedom. We're now playing in a midfield where Fabinho is covering for so many people in midfield. We, we started the derby with Carvalho and uh, Harvey Elliott in a midfield three. He's having to cover for basically two people. And what we're lacking... And people love to throw stones at him. But Jordan Henderson on the right-hand side of that Liverpool midfield, now I agree he's looking leggy and he, he, he can't reach the levels that, that he had done previously. But from a defensive solidity perspective, he gives Trent the cover to go and play with that freedom. Whereas at the moment, we don't have that. So I, th- I feel like, Jim, it's probably a mix of a lot of things. I think lack of confidence. Like Tang says, I have this theory. And look, I'm, I'm going to... I went through it at a certain time. And I remember, remember at Warrington Town, Jim, they brought in the sports site. Were you there then? Yeah. And they brought in yeah, the sports the psychologist. Warrant- and whatever. Yeah. yeah. And so it was good. And it helped me because I was struggling at the time. And one of the things we spoke about is footballers, are, I, in my opinion, are at their best when they play on instinct. But when you lack of, when you lack confidence, you overthink yeah. situations. And you know better than anyone, Tank. The worst thing you can give footballers sometimes is too much time on the ball because yeah. you over overthink things. And I feel like Trent is now not playing on instinct. He's he's worried. So you've got lack of confidence. Klopp asking the same core group of players to go to the well for the best part of five, six years, like Tank says. Not a huge amount of investment. Uh, and then you've got the, the reason why this team has been able to stru- uh, structurally perform has been removed. Liverpool's midfield has holes everywhere. That's probably the reasons that, that I can kind of piece together. What do you think, Tank? I think you're bang on, mate. And I think you're bang on about Harvey I'm his biggest fan. I think the kid is absolutely phenomenal. But I'm not too sure. Liverpool is a workman-like team and it only works in that midfield because the three, what you've mentioned, Wijnaldum, Fabinho and Henderson, when they were all on their pomp, I mean, how many times has Wijnaldum or Henderson fill in at right-back and get the ball, stop the defence and then Trent all of a sudden higher up and it's gone. And as you see, we're asking Fabinho, no wonder Fabinho's fucked because he's probably thinking, I'm doing three-man job here. I'm trying to cover the left-back, cover the right-back, cover the midfielders. It's impossible to do all of that. now. I used to do that for Jimmy. (laughs) now the simple thing for me jamie and i keep harping on about it is investment why didn't we just go and sign calvin phillips who's basically a younger version of henderson he's only 40 odd million man city when they got him we won't kick out he's hardly i don't think he's kicked the ball for man city this season he'd be starting week in week out for us and he'd probably be very very good alongside fabinho and that's another workman like midfielder who will allow liverpool to play the way they played the foundation of the team just doesn't seem there. So my question still remains then, who's culpable for this? Because you've just outlined your issues in that you were very successful with a midfield three of Wijnaldum, Henderson and Fabinho. I've just told you, Jimmy, it's it's the investment. Okay, okay, but then... you, you're trying to get it. Cl- you're trying to you're get trying it. To get it. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. My my. Que- I think it's a valid question because if you know, if you know, and surely Klopp knows that. 
then surely he knows that a Carvalho is not going to do the same job as a Wijnaldum or a Henderson. So why not go out and get a type of player that you've been so successful with? But this is what we're saying about the investment. He's not. You can see by Klopp's comments lately, me personally, I'm reading between the lines that he's pissed off he's not being there given money. He's saying in one of his press conferences, I would like to take more risk in the transfer market. That's fine if he's not, but then are the type of players that he has been able to sign, are they the wrong players? So it is you know, where does Carvalho fit in that midfield three? He's not a midfield three player. Yeah, I think so we've would... I think we've also got the consequence. I, I think something has gone badly wrong with Liverpool's preseason. And again, I could be fucking speaking out of turn here. I think Tank, you probably know people at the club. So if I'm speaking bad of your mates or whatever, I apologize. But it just seems mad that Liverpool preseason were meant to go fully at it. Liverpool put the players through a proper full preseason. We know what Liverpool's preseasons are like. We know what a Klopp team, uh, what Klopp demands of his team. Whereas if you reverse that and look at Pep at Manchester City, they were, I think they, they were a couple of weeks behind Liverpool when we played in the Charity Shield. He he pretty much said he was happy to kind of nearly see the first few games as their preseason and kind of build they from there. Yeah, whereas Liverpool, it seems like they just ran them ragged. They've lost half the midfield. So you said there, Jim, about Carvalho. I don't think he is a midfield. I think he's more of a 10 or can play from the left. But for me, we're in a situation where we've lost half our midfielders. That is, for me, I think Klopp is probably culpable a little bit there along with FSG because he looked at it at the start of the season and went, we've got seven, eight players to fill three positions. I think we've got enough. But a lot of Liverpool fans were saying, well, 40% of that list are injury prone. But yep. Klopp is like, well, we, we'll be okay. We'll be, and we, and he's took a spin of the wheel like he did at centre back, because he thinks that he's going to get the one player that he wants, which is i.e. a Jude Bellingham, and it's the risk that probably would you say Tank has backfired at this stage. I think it's backfired massively. But Jamie, do you know when you say about forty percent? I think eighty percent of Liverpool's midfielder is injury prone. You, know, yeah, you run probably. through the list that there's, you know, Fabinho probably plays more than most, but he does. He misses a lot of games. I agree with you. I think Klopp has probably thought we'll roll a dice and we try and get through it. I think we've got enough and it's bit us on the arse massively. I mean, some of his comments about fucking Arthur is his name, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> who we've signed from who we've signed from Juventus. I mean, that's concerning what I was what I, I was watching Klopp's in, uh, thing on him and he was saying like he's had no minutes, he's had no intensity, no, he's had no training. So he can't play. So what the fuck did we sign him for? Yeah. He's basically admitted he's not going to be ready for a long time to get to the intensity. He's played no football in Italy for a long time and he's not really been training. So it's I kind of like another fucking mad signing. I, I got abuse on social media for saying it's a, it's another Ben Davies type signing. And I didn't mean that literally. Obviously, the, the, the parallels between the two careers are completely different. But what I meant was a stopgap. Stop Liverpool gap. have signed another stopgap player, yeah. Ben Davies, Kabak, rather than going out and investing. So, it, yeah, it is it is a what? worry. Just to finish off, because we've got a couple of bits that I want to do before we wrap up, is um, how does it get fixed and do you see it getting fixed, Jim? Uh, this would be my question. I, I, I wouldn't want to be in Jurgen Klopp. It seems to me that Klopp's fallen into that father figure at, at Liverpool, and he's and he's got too, too many emotional ties with players. Because we've all, you've just said it. Child. The eight, the eight players in that midfield there are injury prone, and you know 
Although maybe great on the players way. on their day, if you're not playing, you know, 50% of your games, there's no point. So has Klopp, could Klopp have sold Oxlade-Chamberlain? Could he have sold Naby Keita this summer and brought reinforcements in with that money spent? I would assume so. Now, I, this think, is I think Ox was meant to go and the deal, he, he okay. got injured and then the but deal that, got and Look, that's fine. If it fell through, that's fine. But my point <laughs> is he could have sold three or four of them midfield four that we've all identified here as not being the right type of players. And he, I assume he would have been able to use that money to reinforce with the right type of players. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking Bellingham. But I'm talking people that do what he needs them to do, i.e. work, give the ball to someone better. You know, someone like that Onana, what's my name, uh, Everton. I'm not saying him. Or the but lad from identi- Brighton who we were meant to be after. Yeah. yeah, so they've yeah, identified, yeah. Everton have identified players they need and gone and got him. Doesn't have to be world beater, but he'll break out, break down the play and go and pass to everyone else. But you're replying on Fabinho. So the question is, I don't know how Klopp fixes this. And I, and I genuinely, I don't think he does at this moment in time. And I think, I think for the first time, there'll be a tiny, slightly worry from him that the chop might be coming. And I'm talking minuscule in percentage, but I think it'll be there. Because I, I, unless all you need to do is play more games. But it is, if I'm anyone in the Premier League, now is the time I want to play Liverpool. Because they're devoid oh, yeah. of ideas and they're devoid of, of defensive <laughs> capability. Um, so the honest answer is I have no idea. And I don't think he does. What about you, Tank? Do you know my big fear? And I'll probably get a bit of stick on social media for this. My big fear is is this Klopp's Dortmund moment. I saw a, I saw an article that is this uh, a, year seven, seven, year seven yeah, at drop Dortmund off. Yeah. went yeah. down. I mean, Dortmund nearly got nearly got relegated that season. I'm not saying we are. Don't get me wrong, but that's that's been at the back of my mind thinking. Has he? run this race now, which, listen, I don't think he has. I hope he hasn't. I hope he gets the chance to to spend money and get the right plays and to go again. But at the back of my mind, I just keep thinking, is this Klopp's Dortmund time coming again? Where the drop-off in that Dortmund side, who still had some fucking unbelievable plays, by the way, but they just couldn't do what the manager was asking them to do. I'm hoping that I'm wrong, and I'm hoping it's just we need fresh legs. He needs backing, serious backing. Um to go again because I am quite, you know, you look at the the likes of Diaz, um, he looks a, a fantastic. So all everything I've been a little bit critical of Nunes, but I've got people who work at the club and inside and say, listen, he is fucking phenomenal in training. When once it clicks, it'll click and the goals will, will flood. I tell you what's going to be an interesting one, and this is a little snippet from inside. Right, right. here we go, exclusive. The, Get the yellow, change it to yellow. The oh, Nabi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait there, let me do, wait there, wait there. Oh, this, do this. Listen, oh, this could be the definitely Nabi Keita is trying to force Who? the fucking um the international <laughs> they're trying to get the internet he's trying to go on international duty and he's meant to be injured. And this could be the turning of the is he fit, isn't he fit? Because I've been told that he's going on international. He's team. insisting on going. He's insisting on going. So this could be the fucking the, moment. The can... as well. Are they in the World Cup? I think they are, Andy. I don't know. I think a lot of African teams are. are you sure yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure they are. Oh, okay. So that's a watershed moment. Yeah. Because there was, 
rumblings that he wasn't happy about pre-Man United game, felt he should be playing. That's a fact. He's not injured. The fact is he's not injured. I've started to get leaked in the press and and you know that there's only going to be one winner there with Jürgen and it it seems, it all seems a bit fishy. It all seems a bit If I'm a Barcelona or Real Madrid or someone like that, you know, if they come sniffing around Jurgen Klopp now, around this time, he's a little ah, no. bit. No, he's not I'm going. Just he, saying, he, before, won't, he won't go. And he won't get sacked before. Before, I'm not saying he'll get sacked. I'm just saying before, you would never entertain it. It wouldn't even come to your mind at this moment in time. If a job like that became available. You, you them know, jobs aren't them jobs aren't available at all. Zavre's no, I know. All I'm saying, you know, Real Madrid but, have a bad start to season. Come January, Ancelotti's been given the tic tac. PSG, PSG. You know what I'm saying? All it, you wouldn't even entertain it. It would never have even entered my mind before with the with the hand and all that. But <laughs> now, you know what? I bet if they go, listen, Jürgen, I'll give you 200 mil. I bet he'll be going, no, no, no. But I bet there'll be that little... (laughs) (laughs) Right, on that note, last couple of things that I want to finish on, right? Because we've got a few listener questions that that I want to get through. First one has come in from Thomas McGurk. And he wants to know, can you lads talk about pre-game tactics? And in the professional level, are tactics taken on board? So, for example, you're sat in team meetings, you're talking about the opposition, set pieces, or is it very much a time filler tank where lads just sit and nod and go out and do what they need to do anyway? Oh, Thursday and Friday on the training ground, that's your that's all your tactical work gets done. You, so you'll have a... You, at the, is it just I, a full day's work on who you're playing, how they not, set So up? basically on a Thursday, what we'd used to do, we'd have an 11 v 11. So back then we'd have the reserves. So the reserves would come over. And if you're playing, say for instance, Forrest at the time were playing Liverpool, who played 4-3-3, but then the reserves would be set up as a as a 4-3-3. And they'd be told, the reserve manager to tell them, like, you have to play at this, you know. So if you're playing against Trent, the right back would be fucking wherever he is. And, you know, you're working... Try and for a, 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 a yeah. good hour on shape and just how you're going to contain them and theirs, and then on a Friday you'll you'll do that again, and then you'll have set plays set for pieces, and against. Yeah. So you do your set pieces. So like Liverpool, if you put five in a box, Van Dijk, you you know you like so you mark him, you mark him. He makes this run. He does this. He does this short corner, and then on a Saturday morning we'd have a team meeting. So you'd have breakfast, then we'd have a team meeting about eleven o'clock. And we'd sit down and we'd go through all of their set plays on the telly and they like stop it and say, This is how they do all goals they've conceded, goals they've scored. So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of stuff to take on board. Do you, do you think we're getting to the point now in the modern game tank where it's a little bit information overload for players? Because I always seem to remember if you get told too much sometimes, it can be yeah. not debilitating, but it can it can weigh heavy. Whereas it should be one or two key instructions. Whereas now, because of the the, the, the data age that we live in. Players could get lost in all the, the stats, facts, and figures these days. Well, do you know, it's, it's it's a good point to be fair because, like, oh, Jack, obviously he's at Burnley, like he's he's only sixteen, he's playing for the under, he's with the U team, the under eighteens, and I get emails through, uh, you know, from Huddle, hmm. and like, so they'll have a game on a Saturday, and then they'll have like how they pressed, and I'll get all of the snippets. And look, it's good to see, but it's kind of like that. There's a lot of information put at these players, you know. 10 times more than was back in my day. And I used to sit there and think, fuck, you know, I can't remember who you've got to pick up. <laughs> so you're like, and then, you know, but now it's just, 
so you might have a point, mate. It could be information over. Maybe that's up with Trent. Maybe that's yeah, up with that's it. Yeah. <laughs> too many, too like, many oh. players to mark. Just mark the seven. Yeah. <laughs> I actually want to ask you about something just super quick, and this is off the cuff. What's your opinion? I, Go on, Jim. I was just going to say, from, from my point of view as well, and I don't know if Tank agreed this, when I was in the game, most of that not went out the window. It was always in the back of your mind, but the game dictates how you played. So although you might do shape and they play this way and they play that way, when you're in the game, that's why I always sympathise with managers because in game, you do what feels right at that time. So whether that's you, you were that type of player though, Jim. To be fair, no, I know, but um, I think this is I think this is anyone like if you're say you're playing as a number six and that you know the game they they say that uh, and the tactics were right well they have someone dropping deep in a 10 so he marks you so don't come deep for the ball right so you're not coming deep for the ball but then you're noticing that 10 is playing out on the right so then you start coming deep for the ball and you're getting successful but that wasn't your pre-match tactic so the game dictates where it goes i think so although it was great having all these you know set plays in particular was always uh you know the the big one in terms of shape and profile it it, it although in the back of your mind it's repetitive you know repetition it, it go out the window i think in in match i don't know what your thoughts on that tank were but it is, as you say, Jimmy, it's sometimes, you know, you, you could be working all week to face a certain system and a certain type of play. And then it, nowadays, especially with the squad, you can change like that. And all of a sudden, You've it's got a in, system, in, in possession, players. out of yeah. position. Yeah, you have, it's, yeah, I agree. With you. Sometimes you've just got to go and like, you know, it, it, games challenging the games. So if the game is, if, if you, you might need to be playing against that opposition and an opposition's role is to try and get his opposition manager to think different out of the box. So they're obviously targeting different things for you. So you, you've got to see it. the game dictates. Um, two f final questions, and I'm going to just try and shoe on this one in quickly. What is your? So this is me with my coaching hat on, right? So you said their huddle tank. Um, so you know the the VO camera setup yeah, yeah. that you can do now and record games. And obviously we uh, we coach an under 11s team. Good, great little group of players. I sat, so we started recording our home games and sh picking up certain little bits and, and showing. I've certainly showed my son, and uh, I know the other coaches have been showing theirs and whatever. And we're going to try and incorporate it into it. I didn't realize, I think it's 65% of the population are visual learners. So they learn more from, from visual cues. What, what are your thoughts on doing those type of things with young players? Because I, I seem to be able to articulate things so much easier. Certainly, to me, some when he's looking at a particular part of play, and I said, "Well, what did you see there? And what what type of pass do you think you could make?" And you have an open conversation about it. What's your thoughts on on kind of bringing that type of data into into youth football? I think it's a good idea, but it's a, it's something what you've got to be very careful of because I've seen your lad play, and he's kind of off the cuff, and he he looks a talented boy. And sometimes, if you you want him to play with freedom, and you want him to do things where he's look, he's, the only way he's going to learn is by doing the wrong things, and you know, and that's how we progress and get better and better. Mm. So it's good in a certain overcoach, but I wouldn't those, overdo yeah, it. I wouldn't yeah. say like, well, look, mate, if you if you're running there and he's popped a shot up, but he could have slipped a kid in, well, then that's just you know that's the game. I'd try and use it as to point as, as positives out. And, you know, but I certainly wouldn't be going there. You've done this wrong. You've done this because I've done a psychology thing with, uh, with one of my, with me away for license. And it's kind of like, if you keep telling a kid over and over and over what they're doing wrong, it's kind of, 
no matter how many times you tell them they're doing you've done this well, but you've done this wrong, it's kind of they only remember the brains only switch to remember the negative stuff. So if you're gonna use it on like your say for instance, your lads, I'd pick out about 15 really good things and say this was brilliant, this is brilliant, this was, and then just say here, possibly you could have done that, mate, but you know, don't worry about that and just keep yeah. it as as because I was surprised of like, and they, these are all case studies, like from a psychologist. He was like, you can really fucking put a kid on a back foot if you keep if you point out the negative stuff because that's all that switches on the register. That mm. okay, that's good to know. Good to know. I um I want to finish off on the last couple of questions. Um, Jim, this one's coming to you because I know you love these type of questions. Yeah, uh, and I know you love Fred Flunk, who is a, a listener of the oh, podcast. Fred, lad. Uh, as there was no football last weekend, uh, Fred wants to know what is your favourite food. I mean, don't get me wrong; like, I love this question, but you can go you can go down a rabbit hole with this. I'm all right with mean? rabbit holes. Well, I'm not. You know, I love I love a Nando's, <laughs> but the way that I see this question is, I don't see this as a question of what is my meal on my deathbed or you know what's my death row meal because that's completely different. <laughs> fucking gone deep at you, Jimmy. Just know, wants yeah. to know what you like. No, no, no. You like a bit of chicken. No, I mean, no, mine's no. a star bar. You can't beat a star bar. <laughs> no, because death, death, death row meal is like it's creme de la creme. You're talking, you know, Felix State. You're talking like some of that you're not going to eat every day. What I'm, what I'm positioning this is that what's uh, my favorite if you meal? Eat the same meal every day. Regular, okay, yeah, what I'm going to okay. eat regular. So for me, fajitas all day, lad. It's a very good shout. Give me fajitas all day. Regular. I look forward to it. I, when my missus goes, oh, I go, what's for tea? She's going, oh, pasta bake or pesto pasta. I'm like, as soon as she goes, fajitas, I'm like, get in. Yes, we're on it. <laughs> Would you not okay. have fajitas on your deathbed then, Jim? Nah, I wouldn't know. You can't no, like no, the notch, mate. Nah, no, I wouldn't have. Nah, One last fajita. No, One last fajita decent. before you fucking fajitas die. Fajitas are mint, but I wouldn't have fajitas on my deathbed. I'd... Because, but then you go like, I love Nando's. Don't get me wrong, I love Nando's, but I'm not going Nando's every week, am I? I'd be certainly not on your deathbed. No, there in your that's what I'm saying. You <laughs> wouldn't have Nando's on your deathbed. You'd have something like, you know, something really hot, like lobster steak, like just all the works, everything. Like it's going to cost you about a grand when you. When you're going down to bloody what's his name, bloody Salt Bay, I'd say Tank's that. eating in a few of those over the nah, years. Of course, he has made I thought they was. I thought they were keeping all the tips to himself. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask a ridiculous question off the top of my head, Tank? Uh, what's the back in the heyday? What's been the most expensive restaurant bill that you've uh, that you've had? Um, because when you're young and you're getting big contracts and all that, you know what yeah. I mean. You got to splash you, out a bit. And it was a fucking. Um, it was a mistake, by the way. So <laughs> they usually do turn out I, to be. I can tell you that. No, it was when um, <laughs> it was a still mistake. paying it off now. <laughs> I took it. It was a, if this is how long it was. It was Sharon's thirtieth. So that's how long ago it was, and we okay. were staying. You know the beige, um, the sale. Oh is wow! It? Yeah. So we yeah. stayed there. We got a fucking just me and I went. Um, we went up to the, they've got like the restaurants on the top floor, like it's fucking stunning. And I just got a little bit later, you know, to the finest fillet steak. And it was like a Japanese Wagyu beef, which was the fucking, the te- they give me all the spear. I should have known because they give me all of the spear. <laughs> the cows like, still you know, talking to you at the cows, side of the fucking table. You know, the cows <laughs> are getting, they get massaged by a special Japanese masseuse. I'm like, fucking time, just put it on my plate. <laughs> and I, I, the, the meal, and then we, we got a bit carried away with a few cocktails. It was about three and a half thousand quid. What? Fucking absolutely devastated. Like, I felt like <laughs> killing that cow, but it was already dead. <laughs> so just the steak, just the no, steak. No, no. To be fair, the steak was about the steak was about 
fucking hell, I think the steak was about eight or 900 quid, mate, just for the steak. Oh, my God. I'd be uh, counting the amount it cost me each bite. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Well, I didn't know. I didn't know, mate. I, honestly, you don't know because you just order off the menu. Like, yeah, you'd be fucking big and yeah, I love that. And she'll have a fucking panini or what? What do you call it? <laughs> the shop. <laughs> what are these? Poor Sharon's got a panini. A bellini. A bellini. She's got massers. Tomato panini. Get her that and give me all the fucking trimmings. Get her a glass of water while she's at it. I think it's a bellini. There's like the champagne and peach. Okay, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice one of them, and I'm saying to me, just fucking get one of them. You're cool, and they would have bought like hundred pounds a pop, and I'm like, yeah, as many as you want. Okay, but I I'll... must say, it was it was a mistake. It wasn't meant, and I regret it since. <laughs> I've just got pictures of fucking tank. Got there's a cow in the back getting massive, a fucking massage, <laughs> and then he's chucking a fucking ham and cheese panini. Shaving fuming. No pudding for you, love. <laughs> uh, my mine, yeah, I'm the same as you, Jim. Like you know, I love a fajita, mate. I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually the one thing I'm, I, I, it annoys me one of many but uh, not being back home and often to live in Ireland I think if I was still living near you we'd have like the heater for heater Thursdays big old bowl of fucking chicken get your it, fajitas on yeah I'd be into that but yeah mine is, will always be steak peppered sauce garlic bread ch- chips pure dippage in the in the peppered sauce yeah. you just you can't you cannot go wrong but yeah if it was if you if you same as you said there jim if i'm to eat the same meal every day for the rest of my life i'm going for heaters all day i'm actually going to get for heaters tonight now because i'm oh, actually mate. feeling hungry i hope now. i am i don't know what i'm having for tea baby i don't i don't think we've got the stuff for heaters so. um so sure. on that point uh, i'm going to apologize to albert uh albert crowley sent in a question around premier league strikers i'm going to do that next week because we have witted on for far too long yeah. we need to to bring the podcast to a close so next week albert i'll make sure that we uh we answer your questions so lads Absolute pleasure, as always. Everybody that has been listening to the podcast, supporting the podcast, uh, keep keep the support coming. We appreciate the feedback. If you can, let us know your comments in the YouTube video below this. So if you just leave us a comment, like the video, subscribe, all that good stuff, uh, or just send us your feedback on social media. We love hearing that you're enjoying the shows. And uh, yeah, apart from that, make sure you enjoy the rest of your week. We will be back with you again next week on the Boot Room Podcast. All the best. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, lads.